Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. If you've been at Life, thank you team. If you've been at Life over our existence, particularly in the last 10 years, biannually, we uh, unapologetically go, we're gonna go and have some teaching and insight around our material world. Uh, our lives are very busy. We have a lot more going on than we could ever imagine sometimes. And I love to teach principally around anything that is creating limitation. God doesn't just save a human being so that we are set free to experience eternity in a life with Him. God is interested like any father into anything that is currently holding us back from the heart that He has for us. And the truth is that money really affects far more than we could ever imagine. It uh, is something we focus on more than we would admit to. Uh, I read this week about a couple that were fighting, seemed to be fighting always over money things. And so the wife got fed up and said to her husband, husband, you know, I think you only married me because my daddy left me lots of money. To which he responded, that's not true, honey. I don't mind who left you the money. It's like, uh, if you sit there and go, well, hey, money doesn't affect me. We choose jobs around money. Uh, we determine how we can respond to the need of somebody else. In fact, last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go online and uh, watch the podcast or listen to the podcast around money misunderstandings. One of the big misunderstandings is that it's only for a few that will ever reach financial freedom. Now, God has a pathway for all of us. And I began to share how my journey, Marie and I, we've been married now for 38 years, just about. She just told me it was 38 already, 39 this year. That's why I looked at her, because if you upset Mama, how many know nobody's happy? But uh, we, we were married, had been married for 15 years. I've been in church my whole life. But I felt trapped when it came to the area of finance. And the reason I was trapped is I look back and I, I have discovered that I only understood a partial truth. How that I was, as a child of God, to be generous. I was to honour God and be generous with others. But that didn't seem to unlock the way that I viewed my finance. And I bought into this thinking maybe, you know, that's not for me. It's not for everyone. Well, God brought me to 2 Corinthians 9.8. And I want you to really zone in because today I'm going to go like a fire rocket if there's such a thing. And this is what the Bible says. God is able, Paul, to make all grace abound towards you. In other words, not just grace for salvation, not just grace for sin, not just grace for failure, but all grace abound towards you so that you, the context is financial breakthrough. Always, not some of the time, not in just a season or two, always having all sufficiency, in all things, that you would live with an abundance for every good work. And I looked at it and I thought, God, that's not our experience. That word grace is like, I've got favour towards you. That word sufficiency is to live the kind of life where you have no external need of aid or support. You don't have to go and believe that somehow you're gonna get an inheritance you never knew about. You're already at that place. You're not working for money, you realise that work releases money so that you can activate your gift, but you are not under the pressure of living a life just to survive. 
And so for years I would take that verse and I would read it out aloud and I would say, God, we sing in church as we have this morning, move the immovable. And yet I felt trapped and I had to go on a journey of going, so God, if you are a God that has promised, let me read it again, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, whether you respond or not. That you always having all sufficiency in all things would have an abundance for every good work. If that is God's Word, then we've got to unlock something. And so over the next few weeks, I wanna change tact and talk about how financial freedom requires principled faith. In other words, you can have faith that God who owns everything can break through on your behalf. And yet God is saying, yeah, but you've got to activate some ingredients to create that breakthrough. There is principle faith that is required. I was a pastry cook for four years. And when you get with people that have had no cooking background and kind of, they wanna make something, but they've got the recipe, but not all the ingredients. It's like, we can change some things around. The fact is, if you change what is crucial around, you'll never get the end result. And I do believe that God is causing His children to understand, hey, you can have part of the ingredients that are right, but not everything. Uh, in fact, uh, I love to make eclairs. And, and, and one of the keys to making eclairs is not just having the right ingredients, but having the right environment. Because if your oven leaks, you don't have the steam necessary to make those uh, eclairs grow overnight. If you wanna open the oven just to peek if they're done, you can see them fall flat because they need the right environment. Some of us, we're struggling and God says, it shouldn't be that way for you. Proverbs 11 verse four in the Message Bible says, basically don't rest just with money in the hand, but a thick bankroll is no help when your life falls apart. But if you live a principled life, there's no magic answer to financial breakthrough and freedom, but embracing principles and living them out consistently. Line upon line, you live a principled life, you can stand up to the worst. And so we are looking as we did last week about how do we see financial breakthrough happen? And basically there are four areas that we're gonna cover over uh, the three weeks that we've got left in the series around the thought of stewarding, of seeding, of saving and of spending. Because all of those components need to constantly be aligned for us to get God's measure of breakthrough. I wanna start on possibly one that has the greatest kickback sometimes, even within the church globally. And it's around this thought of stewarding or tithing what belongs to God. And I've often thought, why is it that there is so much debate around this thought? I've come to discover it's because finance, when it comes to you, turns from a what to a who. And I'm gonna explain that a little bit further today because I wanna teach you from God's Word and people throw out all kinds of things. Well, I don't believe in tithing, which is the bringing of the first tenth of your increase. I don't believe it's Old Testament. Well, why did God give us the Old Testament and the New Testament? Yeah, but it's law. We're not under law, we're under grace. And I go, just unpack that for a moment. No, it was in the law, but it's not law because it was before the law. And when you go to Malachi, you realise that it's more than the law, but this is basically what has taken place. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, were given free range of the most amazing created space. Everything that you could ever believe for, wish for was theirs to use. 
But God also in the garden created one tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And He said, that tree is not yours. You have all of that, but that is not yours. In other words, there's a decision point that you make. If you were to take from that tree, you would surely die. Along came the enemy and the devil said to them, he came as a serpent and he says, you know, did God really say that? Is it really true that God wants us to steward something that belongs to Him? Did God really say that? In fact, you won't die. I know, no, in the day you take from it, you will be far more than you are now. And so she saw that the fruit was something to be desired. She took, she gave to Adam. And you know what happened? They lost the rights to the garden. They lost the rights. They died to the purpose and the provision that had been created for them. And here we are in the 20th century. And it's kind of like there are people still wanting to debate that, you know, we don't need to tithe, but stewarding is what belongs to God. It's kind of God's portion in the middle of that. And in that place, God's saying, hey, I want to release to you God's order of divine release. You can be in church your whole life. You can be generous, but never release God's order of divine release. And so today it's kind of like, I'm not kind of just moving around. I'm gonna go straight to the heart of what I've had to learn that God has got a pathway. So we're gonna go to what I believe is a chapter that brings great insight around this whole thought of stewarding, living in a place where we honour God for who He is and what is His. Malachi 3 and verse six. I want you to listen to the context. For I am the Lord. In other words, I wanna set a scene before I share some things, God says. I am the Lord. I'm sovereign. I'm not just the one that saves you from a lost eternity. I'm the one that has always been there. I'm the one in supreme authority. I am the Lord, listen to this, and I do not change. So it's not what dispensation you're in. It's not what others would tell you has gone away. I am the Lord. This is personal. I do not change. And yet you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I'm a father and because I don't change, I'm, I'm even with you and I'm standing alongside you in your rebellion, but I'm praying that you would unlock the principles that would bring freedom. From the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. The, the word ordinance is my command, my specific decree. It's about a prescribed portion. There is one tree in the garden you do not touch. It's a prescribed portion. And the whole context is personal. Return to me. You know, all of us get to make a choice. I'm gonna be very upfront today and I'm not here to manipulate or to pressurise. I need to, I believe, because I've got a Father's heart, is to bring to you the truth of God's Word so that we can develop and create a pathway to financial freedom. But it's like God says, this is all about you and me, man. And there's a third partner that wants to get into the equation, which is the enemy. Would you return to me? And then you will hear this, enable me to return to you. You might be here today and go, well, look, I've done well financially and I've never really honoured God with this thought of the tithe. Oh, you can make money. You can have money, but that doesn't mean you have financial freedom. There is something that God is wanting to release in us. And then they respond, well, how do we return to you? Verse eight, will a man or will a person rob God? And yet you've robbed me. When I first read, read that as a, as a younger boy, 
It's like, wow, I've robbed God. I didn't understand the whole context of going, God saying, hey, you realise you've robbed me the opportunity of keeping you in the garden. You've robbed what is mine. You've touched what I said, don't touch. And now you've robbed me and you say, in what way have we robbed you in your tithing in the first tenth and in the giving of offerings? And you were cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. On the front of that, you could argue that God's gonna curse you because you didn't go God's way. I think the story is very different. I think God is saying, you have allowed a robber to come into your financial world and he has the rights and he can stand because he is the one that is in the place of sovereignty. He's the one that you've allowed access to who you are. Three times you've robbed me, you've robbed me. You've literally closed the door on me. And now you're saying, well, God, where is the breakthrough? You've given the authority of your financial world into the hands of another. You've come under a new landlord, a new owner of your increase. And so in that place, you're vulnerable. Verse 10, so bring all of the tithe, the first tenth of all of your increase into the storehouse. Man, we could spend a lot of time around that, but it's like, yeah, well, I'm happy to give. I just, I choose where I give. This is not your part. We're gonna look at that in the weeks to come is that what God has entrusted to you, you can do what you like with. And there is wisdom that you can wrap around that. But my tithe belongs in my house. That there might be food in my house. And I want you to prove me. I want you to try me. I want you to test me if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing that you can't even contain it. You won't have room to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer. Here's the context. The curse bringer. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. No matter what happens in a global crisis, he can't touch you. No matter what happens to the interest rates, he can't touch you. No matter what happens around you, he can't touch you. And in the end, all the nations of the world will call you blessed because it's like, you've put me first and I've brought blessing. And there is this breakthrough that's coming to us. And I've realised when it comes to the financial area, I hope you get my heart. In our finances, we serve what we don't surrender. Let me say that again. You will end up serving when it comes to the material world, what you don't surrender. Because the enemy has a right to take you down his line. And whether we're up at north or down at south, we're online today, we're hearing this and we're just watching this series. It's like, wow, what does all this mean? I wanna give you three thoughts around stewarding. Because this first component, one of the four, is around stewarding. And I believe very much that stewarding is a sovereignty decision. It's not a payment. It's not keeping the church doors open. It's not like, okay, you're manipulated. Some pastors, all they do is preach on money when the money goes down and they need a money lift. I don't feel that that's the right emphasis. I think even in our church, we don't take up offerings. Why? Because I want you to live out of a personal revelation of God's authority. Stewarding is a sovereignty decision. So you have to then look at that and say, what is Lord? Who is Lord of my finances? Where do I give the priority? Where is the lordship? Lordship by the mean by the means means someone who is supreme in power and authority over that area. That's why when you begin to study the word, we'll go back to verse six. I am the Lord, I do not change. 
You know, I've just got to say a couple of things out of my heart. I, I'm a little concerned for the church globally because we're downsizing who God is to get acceptance. And even in our salvation altar calls, it's like, you can just be who you are. You can just do what you want. Salvation's a free gift. The truth is salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. But you will never find freedom in life until you come and recognise His Lordship. You're Lord. You are Lord of everything that we are experiencing now. And we prove that you are Lord by not touching what is yours. And that thought of realising that we're in this place where we've got to make a decision, yet you've gone away from my ordinances, return to me, says God, and I'll return to you. And Adam and Eve failed to implement and position God's sovereignty. So therefore, as I said, they were removed from that place of provision. I mentioned last week about the young elephant that's taken to the circus. And a stake is put in the ground, a good strong stake and a chain is around the stake and around the leg of that elephant and that young elephant tries to get free but doesn't have the power to get free. And so what happens is the elephant just walks around and after a period of time, that elephant begins to experience that it can't get free. But what the elephant doesn't realise is over the months, the elephant begins to grow. But it has so believed that it's chained that they can even reduce the size of the chain and make it a rope eventually with a fully grown elephant and it won't pull the peg out that it could do so easy. And I've discovered in the area of finances, it's the same thing for all of us is sometimes we're chained. We don't know that we're chained. And we talk about money as, well, God's blessed our business and we're doing well and we can do the things we wanna do materially. But let me put it like this, having money doesn't mean that you have financial freedom. And God wants us to break the chain off and say, you know what? We can unlock generations to come and we can see the purpose of God in this day. Even great discussions, I love it. And I, I promote people asking questions we had in our groups, both in our campuses. By the way, if you're not in a small group, come to one of the campuses this week because on Tuesday night, 7.30, we get together and we're discussing God, money and me. And we've got all different viewpoints. Some people are saying, well, I just don't believe in tithing. And I go, that's, that's cool. Why don't you believe? Is it based on God's Word or is it based on an opinion? Oh, well, I read something on the internet. Well, that's a great way to live if you don't know the character of where it's coming from. Come on, there's always a snake in the grass somewhere. And God is saying, hey, I wanna set you free. And again, what's the premise for our view? Well, I don't need teaching like this. We've got financial security. 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are doing well. Those who have got money and can basically do what they like to do in, the, in this present age, don't become haughty nor trust in uncertain riches. The word haughty means I'm secure in what I have. I'm even slightly arrogant because I'm in control of my life. And the first word command means literally give a charge. Make sure that money isn't ruling you, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Make sure that you are ready to do good works. You're rich in good works. You're ready to give. You're willing to share. And by that, you are storing for yourselves a good foundation for the time that is to come and that we may lay hold of eternal life. Seriously, our financial worlds 
And their freedom is determined by who we position and control, sovereignty. That's why it's God, it's money, and it's me. All of those components, we've got to stop and think about that because we serve what we don't surrender. In the area financially, we serve. Money literally determines the resident authority in our material world. I never understood this because I was never taught it. I've got a $20 New Zealand note here and the Bible says when you increase, when you receive a wage, you, you get an endowment, you buy something like a home and you make a profit on it, the increase is an increase that comes to you. And whenever money touches the human hand, there is a decision about who will take authority about that increase. So there's one of two authorities, either it's God or it's mammon. So that's why God says when you increase, you get to make a choice whether you put me sovereign. It's a sovereignty decision. That's why if you have a large increase, how many know there's a lot of pressure coming from mammon to go, wow, that's a lot to give away. Or wow, if we did that, we're gonna be in a vulnerable place and we know if we're gonna get through that and we're not sure about that, it touches and it gains one of two spirits. You say, I'm not sure about that. Well, let's go to the Bible, Luke 16, verse 13. This is Jesus speaking and He says this. He says, no servant, no one, can serve two masters. It's impossible. Even if you think you can, you can't because you'll end up hating the one and loving the other, despising the one and being loyal to the other. You cannot emphatically serve God or mammon. Mammon by its definitions is confidence based in riches. Once we get through and we have that level of security, maybe we could you know, honour God and do something for the church. No, that's not the point. Mammon is literally a reference to money God. There is an authority, there is a sovereignty over your financial world, which is not God. Whereas everything about sovereignty and lordship is surrender. Every time there is an increase, it's like God is saying, here's the test. And remember in the garden, the enemy came along to Adam and Eve and says, has God said? This is how mammon works. Mammon begins by sowing doubt. By sowing doubt, by promoting self-seeking. It's like, you could do better if you get that tree. This is gonna secure your future. You know it's not an easy time and the world could collapse, but mammon promotes self-seeking. Mammon ultimately seeks to rob God's intended purpose and to take His hand of protection off your finances. So I began to study mammon, which I had never heard taught about. Verse 11 of Luke 16 goes and says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, what's unrighteous mammon? It's money. Who would ever commit to your trust true riches? Wow. Could it be that God has got a whole lot more He wants to do, but He's looking and He's literally saying, money is a divine testing ground. If you can't be faithful in what is tangible, why would I release to you things that will have an echo into eternity? Those are the things that matter the most. Wow. Could it be that we could have a whole new prophetic wave that we've never had before? Could it be that we'd see more of the supernatural than we've ever seen before? And God's saying, yeah, but if, if you can't trust me with what is tangible, how can you trust me with the intangible? 
And God is looking to the church globally, I think, to do something fresh, but He's still got this testing ground. Every time we increase, what are you going to do? Because what you do depends who determines who is over that. That's a challenge to me. And I suppose, I believe that on the other side of our response is a generational release. There is something that God is going to do that we could never imagine. So stewarding is a sovereignty decision. Secondly, it is also a priority decision. It's like God is looking at us and saying, hey, this is what I'm wanting you to understand. That you are to bring all of the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house and try me in this. Some people have said, well, you know, it's kind of like, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not sure about tithing. I'm happy to be generous. But as I said, tithing was never been meant to be a decision that we get to make. It's, a, it's not an add-on. It's not an afterthought. It's kind of like before I was five, my parents taught me tithing is God's. It's not yours. It's kind of like, Paul, always remember, have you got God's money in your pocket? We might've given you 10 cents back then as your pocket money and we could buy lollies for one cent. But the first one sent, I was taught, that's God. So you put it in the jar and when you go to Sunday school, you take it to God's house because that's what God says. You return to sender because when you begin to do that, you unlock the blessing of God. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It's not the answer to your future. It's God's and that releases an answer over the rest. God's God. And people say to me, well, I'm not into that. You know, you, you, you say, I don't believe that God wants us to tie this kind of like we, He wants us to do what we want to do. You're not that good. Seriously, tell me there is a God that has a plan without a pathway. God knows human nature and He says, that belongs to mine. And when you start thinking, the battle begins and it's like, can we break through every time we increase? God, here's the first tent. It's my priority in everything that I do. It's not left up to me as far as its direction. All right, it's gonna get really quiet. If we're going to take the Bible, we're going to take the Bible. Your tithe is not for missionaries. Your tithe is not to do something that you have in your heart to do. Your tithe is a test point to return to God, to where God wants it to go. Some people have said to me over the years, well, I don't trust the leadership. You know, my response to that is, if, if that's how you feel, I'm not talking about our church, but there could be people here that say, well, I'm not sure I trust the leadership, so I wouldn't give my first tenth here. Then please go to somewhere that you can trust. We might be half the size next Sunday, I'm not sure, but it's... Because the leadership, if they're ever isolated, it's dangerous. But when there's accountability and financial accountability, we have huge, we're outside audited every year. We bring it to those that want a whole summary of where the money has gone, what's come in, where it goes. That's responsibility 101. But this is a bigger issue than, well, I'm not sure where it goes. This is his money and it goes where he says it's a priority to the house. When you start to see that, then you go, yeah, but there's so many things I'd like to do. We'll get to that next week. Because God wants you to get involved with a whole lot of things that are passionate in your heart. But God determines its destination. You imagine here at Life, if we really believed this and embraced it, I don't know how many at Life would tithe. I've got no idea, but I'd estimate maybe 50%. Imagine if, if, it, if it went to 100%. Well, what, what could God do? 
what could the church become in a society that you're a part of it? It's like, like a family were driving home from church as they usually did and Dad had this negative attitude. So he's always complaining about something and especially about the church. Sitting in the car as he drives home, he said, man, the music is far too loud. And that poor guy, the message too long, too much about money. The auditorium, you know, these pews are too hard, man. I get so uncomfortable sitting on the pew. Finally, his eldest daughter had enough of Dad going on. He said, Dad, she said, Dad, I saw what you put in the offering today. He said, oh yeah. She said, you gotta admit, that was an amazing service for just one dollar. Somebody who understands God's way has made what's happening in the kids' ministry available. Part of building a foundation so that 20 million worth of community impact can happen every year through life. And there's a whole lot more that's happening beyond what the church is doing that's happening through faithful people. And that's the challenge of God saying, hey, return to me. This is about you and me. And I've come to the point that I've realised everything I have has been entrusted. And God is saying, if you can be faithful with that, you can't serve two masters. Mammon will rule your future, no matter what you believe. Somebody once said that unsurrendered wealth, it's a little bit like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. In other words, you can have all the wealth in the world, but be very empty. You can have what other people would wish they could have. But if it's not surrendered, you serve it. Remember in the material world, what is not surrendered, we serve. And so I would classify it pretty strongly now because I'm wanting to help you and I understand and be refreshed that our material world operates either from a surrendered or an unsurrendered position. And God is looking for us to reinstate that priority. Sovereignty is, or stewarding is about a priority decision. Honour the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all of your increase. It's not the second. It's not like, okay, well, God, man, we got this inheritance. We'll see what's left afterwards. When you're blessed, most of us have a salary or you have something that comes from your business personally. God says, the first is mine. Do a study on first and you'll see it's all about lordship. Honour the Lord with your first fruits of all of your increase, not some of it. As I said, you can buy a house for 500,000 and sell it for a million today. And it's like, well, there's 500 increase. First fruits, 10% of that is God's. God says that's where, because every time you increase, mammon is at the door. By the way, the bigger the amounts, the more you hear mammon. That's a lot of money to be giving away. You're not giving anything away, you're returning. It's kind of like, no, 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 that, that belongs to God. I'm gonna honour Him with that so that your barns will be filled with plenty. It speaks about future generations. You will have a legacy of financial breakthrough. Not only that, your vats will overflow with new wine. If you honour, glorify, promote. First fruits, the first in place, in time, in order, in rank. By the way, let me just say within our country where you get 33% tax back, even our giving is not conditional to the year. It's kind of like it's God's first. Don't let tax rule the decision. It's not an afterthought. It's a sovereignty decision. 
And when you begin to align with that, God is bigger than that. And, and, and this is pretty hard hitting and maybe I need the teams to come up and join me right now. But this is a personal belief. I think I can substantiate it right through scripture. But I would say that second to sin, stay focused, unsurrendered money is the enemy's major weapon of restriction or distraction. God wants to bless you so much. You know, the problem is when you don't honor him with the first in priority, you begin to serve. We have people out of church now, maybe they're in church. I don't know, four or five, half a dozen times a year because they've been so blessed. They're away every weekend. They're not in the community and they don't even know it. God's blessed them with so much, but now the so much is directing their whole lifestyle. And before you know it, the enemy gets in that and, as I said, money doesn't guarantee freedom. It's God's principled pathway. And so the question always is, is money serving you or are you serving it? It is about coming to this point of making sure. Remember early on, if you've got a lot of money, the Bible says, command those. If you're in a place of leadership, command those. Don't, don't trust in that. Because we serve what we don't surrender in this area. So stewarding is a sovereignty decision. It's a priority decision, but it's also a security decision. We're talking about financial freedom. Again, for anyone that's doing well financially now, you know there are different days coming ahead. And God says, you can trust me if you put me in the right seat. If you bring all the tithe into the storehouse, you can test me. And what does He say in verse 10? If I will not open for you, I love this, the windows of heaven. If I will not pour out for you such blessing that you won't have room to contain it. A lot of people say, well, I can contain what I've got. Yeah, when we got married, you should have seen the small flat we lived in. There's no way we could fit what we have now into that small flat. Not only that, listen, I will rebuke the devourer. When the global climate changes, I'll stand up and say, you can't touch them. They're in the garden. I'm providing for them and He will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Again, talking about generations. And all the nations of the earth will call you blessed. I've told this story because it's embedded in my thinking when it comes to this area. In Sydney, I didn't know what I know now about all of this. In fact, I was still on this journey of understanding it's more than generosity, but I was speaking about honouring God with the first tenth and this beautiful solo mum came up afterwards and said, Pastor Paula, thank you for the word. And she had such a great spirit. And she said, look, we're struggling even to put food on the table for my kids or I'm struggling. You know, I just said to her out of a father's heart, I just said, hey, hon, God understands you and God gets it. He's got the bigger picture. It's okay, you just do whatever you need to do. That morning when I drove home, I was in the car alone because I can remember and it's like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was sitting in the seat next to me. He was gentle, but he was straight. Basically, this is what I heard him say. So you know better than me? I so heard that clearly as soon as I got home, I found her phone number through someone else and I rang her and I said, you know, the advice I gave you at church, I did that out of a human heart. But if you honour God, 
with the first, no matter what it looks like, God will bring security. God will get your future. That's why I'm saying all of us get to make the choice. We, We get to determine who's in authority over this area. Psalm 119 verse 45, the Psalmist writes after a lot of living of life, I will walk about in freedom or I've discovered I can live free for I have sought your precepts, not my circumstances. I speak of the statutes before kings, of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame for I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love that I may meditate on your decrees. This this is basically what he's saying. God, your pathway brings freedom. And because I've walked that pathway, even though it felt tight and challenging, and even though the serpent was whispering, I found freedom. And every one of us get to choose that. See, Christianity is not like you have to do this. I cringe when I'm in a church where somebody's dominating and I hope you never get that from me or anyone here on the team, but we'll teach God's Word. That the first component of four components is stewarding. Stewarding is a sovereignty decision. It's a priority decision and it is a security decision. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.